This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, you are listening to the Blue Monday podcast. This is a three times weekly show looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club, available on podcast and on YouTube. My name is Benjamin Boom. I'll be here each and every Friday for the Blue Monday preview show with a special guest to get their inside of view on the next opponents for Ipswich Town. Ladies and gentlemen, representing the One Stream in Bristol podcast, please welcome Mr. Joe Isles. Joe, you look better than me. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, mate. You don't look that bad, obviously. Don't be smart. <laughs> I, d- I don't know. We just off... off um, Without the red light on, we just turned it on, and I'm like, my eyes are screwed. I'm, I'm crying on the podcast. I'm still getting over losing to Hull on Tuesday. There we go. Yeah, um, well. First of all, tell me a bit about your podcast and where our listeners can find it and what you're going to be doing after the game on Saturday. Yeah, sure. Um, so, as I said, we're called One Stream in Bristol. Um, we're the first kind of, well, the only at the moment fan Bristol City podcast. Uh, there was one a few years ago, but it didn't really work out. But we've noticed that all of the other big clubs, Championship, even like down to League One, League Two, all have their own podcasts. So we were like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna bite the bullet and we're gonna do this. Me and my friend, we just bought some cheap microphones and just started talking about football as you know we normally do anyway, and then put it online and people seem to like it. Um, so you can get it on like all the usual podcast places like iTunes, Acast, and just search One Stream in Bristol. Uh, yeah, you should be able to find it that way, I guess. Great stuff. Um, we normally start with the um, with the first game, which was end of September. But yeah. being as it was such a kind of big shift from how you were playing last season to how you were playing this season, let's just look at the first 10, because it was game number 11 at Portman Road. Um, sure. Amazingly, it was six versus seven. For Ipswich were actually above Bristol City at this point. I'd forgotten that we won our first four games. Um so big turnaround and a couple of good results um, before that. It was five wins, four draws, and only one defeat from the first ten for Bristol City. You drew at Wolves three-three, thrashed Derby, um, beat two Premier League clubs in the League Cup. Um, <laughs> I, Those are the days. Yeah, I saw you. It was December last year. It was long balls up to Wilbraham. Um, Tom yeah. Tomlin looking pissed off with everything. Freeman yeah. playing left wing and just relying on Abraham scoring every game. Um, yeah. What was what was the difference from last season to, to make this great start? Well, the thing is, like, it's only the last season to kind of the first part of this season. I think a lot of Bristol City fans probably feel that we've, we've dropped back into a similar style of play recently. 
Um, like you say, that you, it's funny you mentioned the long balls. Like a lot of the period of this season, we seem to be just sort of bouncing the ball around our midfield off our midfielders' heads. Um, I don't, it's, it's, it's a strange one. I, everyone likes to point the finger at Tomlin a lot for last season's problems. Um, I think he was a bit of a bit of a menace in the dressing room. I remember when we went to Huddersfield away, apparently some of the people who were sort of around said that they'd never seen a player speak to a manager as disgustingly as uh, Lee Thompson spoke yeah. to Lee Johnson on that day. So I think we were 2-0, maybe 1-2-0 or two nil down at half-time um, away to Huddersfield. Uh, there was a keeper error or something. It wasn't like a terrible performance by any means. But Lee Tomlin was not happy and there was some... Uh, yeah, after that, he, he was out of the team for a long time. And I think that was a bit of a disruption um, in any case. Um, I don't know, it's, it's hard really. Like Johnson's style of football, we're quite expansive, we're quite attacking... And when you play that well, like you're unstoppable. But the problem is that style of football doesn't tend to work well when you when you're in like lulls and low periods, and you want to just grind out wins, and you want to just be able to score a goal against Cardiff and then park the bus for 80 minutes, which is what a lot of the teams, which is exactly what they're going to do to you, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and sometimes like we we went to Cardiff recently and we lost one nil, um, but because we went there and we tried to play a Warnock style of football. We went there and we were playing long balls. We played two up. We played, you know, two strikers um, with our third Bobby Reid, our top scorer, like behind them. So we kind of were just lumping balls forward, and it's not our style of play. It's not our identity, and you know, we got exposed for it. But I don't know. It's it's a hard question to answer, to be honest. I, I think most City fans would struggle to answer what was different between last year and this year, other than results. So um, we went into the first game. Um, Ipswich had started really well they won their first five and then the previous Tuesday we beat Sunderland 5-2 and I was quite I was quite high on life and I thought okay we're going to win this and we did the preview show with um the exiled Robin and I wasn't buying what he was saying he was saying to me oh okay (laughs) look we're going to give you a good game and we're going to we're going to press you and we're going to play it quickly and we're going to play fast in your final third and the wide guys and I'm like yeah sure you are yeah okay <laughs> I, I saw you play last season and I must admit other than it's you and Sheffield United uh, those two games I've been the most surprised like wow yeah. okay Sheffield, both times we played Sheffield it was it was the same thing it was just quick I think actually we've only played them once but when we did play them away it was how quick they could counter you yeah the pace I, they had up front this is a league one side you know it's, it's crazy but so those two sides were the most surprised and um my memories of the game i watched my match review back um yesterday i was magnanimous as usual obviously in defeat um but it, who was put the first one brownhill it's a deflected goal um yeah. after two minutes but you really snapped into us quickly at the start of the game and had us all over the place um did you put it um two nil good header we got one back that was the point where waghorn was scoring yeah. every game um but you ground us down in the second half. We couldn't get through, and Reed put one, um, put one in at the end. Another deflected one, but um, McCarthy said the same thing. There was two deflected goals, but yeah, Bristol City were the you take the chances, don't you? That sometimes go in. Sometimes you need a bit of luck, don't you? Um, but I was really, really impressed. Really, really um, imp- impressed. Um, what we, what were your memories? Um, of of that game particularly, and is this a yeah. normal reaction from a lot of opposing fans? Like, where do, where did that where did that come from? You were horrible last season. Yeah, I know it's such a strange. I, I wasn't actually at that game, but I was listening to it on the radio, 
And uh, I think there was like the, there was a, a legal stream online, so people were kind of like putting the goals online afterwards. But like you said, it was that early start of the season where we were just getting a few wins together and being like, "Hang on a second, like we were playing well. Like we were in a similar position at the start of last year where we started off so well, but we weren't conceding as many goals at this point in the season. We were winning games like quite comfortably, you know, going away and and any other Bristol any other time in Bristol City's period, if you go if we go two 0 up. And then our opposition score. We're thinking, right, okay, the, th- the second or third goal is coming. Like we're going to bottle this. This is just the kind of mindset that we get into. But for some reason, at that time in the season, it was like the, the next goal went to us, and we were three one up, and it was just, it was amazing. Like it was like, okay, we can we can defend now. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I remember really enjoying listening to the game on the radio. But as I said, I, I wasn't there. But two lucky goals. The maybe. other thing that um, really impressed me was I knew Flint was good from last season by the way if you don't support Bristol City Flint comes across as a right prick he's a great player but he, re- he really comes across as a nasty <laughs> does one. he really because we love him oh, of course we you do well in the same way we love Ghana but every yeah. other every other yeah, fan. but the the thing I noticed on that day as well because you put Baker in as well I remember calling him sort of twin towers and Ghana was Ghana and Waghorn were managing to rough up a lot of centre-halves but Flint and Baker weren't having weren't having any of it is that yeah. and was was Baker signed this yeah we signed him. so we had him um a couple of seasons ago he was on he had a season-long loan with us from Villa and um he did really well and a lot of City fans liked him we didn't have him last season but then we bought him at the beginning of this season um because I think a lot of people in the club thought that Flint was going to leave for Birmingham um and then that ended up falling through so we ended up with Wright Baker and Flint as our centre-backs um, really, to be honest, if we're talking about just like an out and out centre back, Baker's probably the more solid defensively. Um, and a lot of people have kind of realised now that when Baker's not in the team, we tend to concede a lot more goals. Uh, and it's, it's weird because he's not one of these players you really notice on the field. He's not he's not like Flint. He doesn't have all these amazing gifts, and he doesn't get you goals that win you games against Cardiff. You know, and he's not seen as this sort of like um, much of a charismatic kind of hero for the players, but. Certainly when he's on the pitch, we do seem like a more defensive unit, I'd say. Mm, that's really, really interesting because Flint is, you, you're right, it's Flint is the one that grabs all the, the, the headlines, yeah. all the goals and the tattoos and the gifts and yeah. everything. And he's just a, he's, he's yeah. a I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd love him to play for Ipswich, it will never happen. Um, but, you know, <laughs> he, he looks he looks a real, real good player. And um, I, I think it's smart what a lot of these championship teams are doing now. You just hold on for one more season like Preston did with Hugel. And yeah. it's like it's nine million or ten million you get for them now. Yeah. So and just based on like how he's played this year, you know, we could have almost doubled his price, to be honest. Like there's been way more interest, especially considering the cut run and the exposure we had against, you know, teams like United against Man City. And he played excellently. I remember when he um he headed that ball off the lining in the first leg against Man City. I'm not, not sure if you were watching, but uh I think he might have added a couple million to his, his selling price just from that uh, just from that moment alone. In that one moment, yeah. Um, so leading up to Boxing Day, I'm going to take October, November, December together, and it's not a flash in the pan. So 24 games and City is second with 47 points, so just shy of that guaranteed yeah. two points per game for promotion. Um, some brilliant wins away at Fulham and Sheffield United, home to Cardiff and Borough. Um, Leave the League Cup out of it. We'll talk about the League Cup in in sure. a minute. Without sounding patronising, since you were in the top flight in um, the late seventies, this must be the this three months must be the best it's 
best it's ever been. What what, what were the highlights and, and how were you feeling as City fans for that period? Um, keeping away from the, the cup run. Um, it had to be sort of being around that third and, and second point and then going into the, the Wolves game at the end and being 1-0 up against them. Because it was like we'd beaten every, like most teams up to that point outside of, you know, Preston and Birmingham who were our, probably our bogey teams. We were playing so well and, you know, we got there within, I think, maybe 10 points of Wolves who were like flying and no one gone. thought they could yeah. be beaten and they were gone. And we had them at Ashton Gate in, I think it was either late December, possibly early January. And um, we were one nil up against them. Bobby Reed scored and it was like, there's nothing. I remember saying to myself at the time, there's nothing that can stop us. We were like, we'd just beaten Manchester United. It was like, that's it. We're, we're coming for Wolves now. It wasn't just about second. It wasn't about playoffs. It was like, you know what? We're coming for Wolves. They were down to 10 men and then we went down to 10 men. They scored immediately from the free kick because our keeper got sent off. Um, and then they won it in the last kick of the game, which was absolutely devastating. And probably, to be honest with you, what started our, our downward spiral. Um, in fact, almost definitely started our downward spiral because from that point onwards, you know, we had a, we had three games on with our secondary keeper, and he had a dodgy he had a dodgy few games then left let a couple of goals in, and then the mentality just snuck in. I think the cut run caught up with us, and all of a sudden, we're we're back down to the to trying to get into the into the playoffs. Do you want to do? I'll, I'll give you the choice. Do you want to do the? Do you want to talk about the cup run now, or do you want to talk about the drop off? Let's let's talk about the cup run because that's what it says. Let's in my yeah, let's talk about the cup um, run. I think it makes more sense chronologically. So um, this is great, and I mean Ipswich obviously famed for winning the FA Cup many many years ago, but we haven't had a cup run in years. I would I would I would love <laughs> this. Um, so Plymouth first, then but then Watford, Stoke, and Palace, all all Premier League teams, and then. Um, I remember I did I did watch the Man United game because it was just before Christmas and it's really cold and um, there's nothing else to do and I think a lot of sure. a lot of football fans um, watched that game. T- tell me, um, Lee John, I don't know if you've seen it. Lee Johnson's just done one of those masterclass things. It's on YouTube about the tactics. On, um, was that on? Oh, that's not the um, soccer the- AM. No, that it's called the coach's voice or something like that. They're, they're pretty good, so um, I'd I'd recommend. Yeah, that. if you can link that over, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I recommend you have a look at that. Um, talk to me about the cup run and just about the Man United game particularly. Yeah, so the first game um, that I actually went to see was the the Stoke game, and that was a really nice game because we were quite tight and we played well as a team. It wasn't just about sort of scoring more goals than Stoke. We actually defended really well, and they never looked to be a threat. Um, I think Peter Crouch was playing and uh, he was stood against Flint, who was our tallest player. And someone managed to dwarf Flint, which was quite, uh, which was quite interesting to see because we've never actually seen that in the championship. Um, but they, that was good. So I think Jeju got a goal there, Matty Taylor as well. Uh, and then the Palace game, that was, that, was, that was really exciting. I think they scored, they went 1-0 up and then we just scored four goals, like in, in like almost two goals before halftime, so it went 2-1. And then two goals straight after halftime, including a goal from Brian, which was absolutely outstanding. It won like the, the goal of that, that round, I think. And then um, Callum O'Dowder had never actually scored for us before. And he scored this um, like right-footed like slice volley from outside of the box to like go into the bottom left corner. Like What a way to open your, your scoring day, your, your scoring um, for Bristol City. Um, so that was a highlight. 4-1 against Palace. Amazing. Uh, and then straight after that, 
it was Man United. And we were all sat around with the waiting for the cup run, listening to the radio for it to come out. And Man United at Gate at Ashton Gate, like you couldn't have given us a better draw because to be honest, like I've always kind of hated Man United a little bit um, for my own reasons, and to get a go at them on home turf um, was just was a real opportunity. Sold Ashton Gate sold out like as quick as it could have done. Was that uh, the first the time real... since the since the big stand was developed that it had been sold out? Uh, no, but it, it rarely it rarely does. I think it sold out like once or twice before that, but this time it sold out like so quick, and um, we went. Like there was a real buzz around the area at the time. I remember, it was it wasn't just like there was a football match on. Like everyone was talking about it, and even people who didn't know about football. And like my relatives would come up to me and sort of ask me, oh, "Are you watching the game tonight? Or oh, do you think you can get me a ticket?" It's like, "No, I can't get you a ticket. Like, I'm sorry, you don't even watch football." <laughs> um, that sort of thing. But there was a lot of that going around, which is quite fun. And then, yeah, as I said, we went to went to Manchester, went went to Ashton Gate, and just it, it was just poetic like just the most amazing amazing feeling i think i've ever felt at a football match bar none to to score against premier league team in the in the last minute of the game um from a player who we all love uh just amazing and then you get to see like you know they didn't have like a they didn't have a second string team out Ibrahimovic started you know Pogba came out lukaku came on at the end to try and to try and score another goal for them they were playing their big players and we didn't, and it was so good. Uh, and then, obviously, we went on to Man City after that. Then, you know, Man City are the best team in the country, if not the world at the moment. And I think we gave them two good games. One um, nil up against them at halftime at the Etihad. That would have to be a highlight, because that was just, like, you know, no one does that. Not, not many Prem teams had done that that season. And we played them. We played attacking football. We didn't change our style of play. It's funny you were saying earlier about like lumping balls down to Wilbraham. Like none of that was there at all. We were playing this like intricate passing football against Man City. Um, then you know they scored against us in the last minute. Aguero. Oh well, we still we still put on a show. And then obviously um, at Ashton Gate again, we we tried our best. To, we got a few goals at the end to to really rally the team for another another go. But you know it's Man City. We, if there's any team to go out to, it's going to be Man City. We're, we're fine with it. Absolutely, great stuff. Sounds sounds fantastic. Like I say, we haven't had a cup run in years and years. So um, <laughs> yeah, fair play. Um, right, let, let's let's ruin it all. Let's lower the tone now and talk about this drop off. Then, so like you said, the Wolves game was the the big turning point. And I mean, I was looking at the fixtures. It is a bit of a horrible run because there's yeah. two games against Man. City, um, Norwich, um, Derby, Villa away, Watford away. Um, There's there's loads of theories about this this drop-off. Is it just a horrible run of hard games? Did the players start to tire from the, you know, the the pressing style? Um, Did the cup run um, kind of distract everybody, you know, emotionally? Like you say, what... um, What's your theory about this? Because it was six defeats in seven after yeah. playing, you know, after barely, you must have lost only three games in the first Yeah, I think it was like two or three. Yeah. Um, to be honest, like, I wish there was one theory, kind of universal theory to put to, to put it all together. But really, I think it's a combination of, of everything. I think at the start, people were easy to blame it on the cup run because it felt good to blame it on the cup run. It was like a, an easy answer to a, a, a bigger problem. Uh, and then we got knocked out of the cup and there was a, a week or two where people were saying, oh, the players are just sort of tired. 
after the after after the cup run. So give them a little bit of time, and then we'll all be on a level playing field soon with the other championship teams. And then that level playing field came, and we still weren't getting results. Um, you know, the low points for me had to be sort of the the loss against Bolton away from home, who were terrible. You know, just recently we 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 couldn't score a goal against Burton, who were second from bottom. Um, I don't. I think I mentioned to you before about us changing our style of play against Cardiff. You know, we we gave away our our footballing identity, if you want, to try and just beat Warnock at his own game. And you can't beat Warnock at his own game. And we lost. No. Not at all. And we lost there. Um, certain players like um, Jamie Patterson, who was excellent for us at the start of the season, I think he got two assists in the game against um, Ipswich. And he was excellent at the start of the season. He was getting assists all over the place. I think he, at one point early on in the season, he'd created more chances than any other player that, in Europe, which was like... And, and, you know, an amazing thing. And then he had a, he had a, a lull to the middle of the season. Um, injuries. Callum O'Dowda got injured, who has been out, who was outstanding at the start of the season, and we still haven't seen him, and he hasn't been back. Um, Jeju got injured for a lot of the season. He was you know scoring goals a lot of the time. Reed went on a goal drought. Um, all the things that like were going well at the start of the season, all the sort of harmonics were coming into place, and everyone was playing well at the same time and playing together. All of those harmonics seemed to sort of get out of phase towards the most recent art of the season, everything that could have went wrong kind of did. And then we, we bought three, well, we had three January signings. Um, uh, Ryan Kent, Liam Walsh and Lewis Gione. Um, Walsh, who is definitely just one for the future. You don't really want to play him now, but he's, he's got some talent and he looks good. And then Ryan Kent and Lewis Gione, who I think are absolutely dreadful, <laughs> like really, really bad. Um, so, um, Brian Kent is a Liverpool loanee. Um, so he's sort of a product of their youth. He was playing in Germany for the first half of the season, but not playing that well. I can't remember exactly who it was for. Um, but he's just the sort of player. He's this one of these like really erratic, kind of like hot shot, young, um, big prem youth team players who kind of gets the ball, likes to do a load of step-overs with it, and then just runs straight into a player and loses the ball. <laughs> he's one of those. And like, he doesn't get enough balls into the box for me. And, I don't know. I just don't think he really fits our. He, he fit our philosophy, and the Lewis Dione, who I think, from what I've seen, has been one of the worst strikers I've seen at Ashton Cape. Absolutely dreadful. Just can't get on the ball at all, and when he does, he just falls over it. Like it's it's comical. I can't. I can't. I don't want to say anymore. I don't want to just start like slagging <laughs> off my own players. But like it's comical. If he plays on Saturday, you'll see what I mean. And um, saying that, now that I've said that, he'll probably score a hat trick. But <laughs> just to make me look stupid. Um, so, I mean, you've covered a bit of it in that, in that last answer. So going from, um, the Wolves game up to Saturday's game, it's two wins in 16, um, from second place down to eighth now, just outside the playoffs. Um, is some of this just due to, were you were you overachieving, and is some of it due to? If you look at the teams that have all come up, yeah. Borough, Fulham, and Villa, all sorting them, sorting themselves yeah. out. Has it kind of levelled out to where where you should be, or do you still see it as a? You know, like you said, we're one nil up against Wolves. We're we're coming for top yeah, yeah. spot. Is which, which is it? Is it regression to the mean, or is it um, a, um, a collapse? I think it kind of. I think it's a little bit of both, but. It's interesting you say about the other teams sort of coming well. So like Villa have come into form, Fulham have done well in Derby. 
Um, all three of those teams have made excellent signings in January and they've bought big players. You look at Villa where they've bought Lewis Graban, who everyone you know, said was just a waste of money, but has been excellent. Uh, Mitrovic going to Fulham has been fantastic signings. They're big, established players, in the, even in the Prem, you know, mm. at, in, in the Championship, they're, they're on form. Um, the, the fact that we weren't able to make those sort of signings, I think, kind of answers your question, really, because we don't have that reputation to make those big signings and to be that big club to, to be up there where we are, where the other teams c- can be those big names and attract those sort of players. So, yeah, I guess, I guess in a sense, we were kind of overachieving with the squad that we had. You know, had we had more of a, a reputation, we might have been able to compound some of those players with a few big names to, to really push it towards the end. But I don't know. I think, I think it's sort of a little, bit, a little bit of both, really. We knew that Villa were going to become good towards the end of the season because th- they, were, they were looking good most of this season and now look amazing. Cardiff is the same thing. Like they've got Warnock, who knows the league better than anyone. Um, wolves are just wolves. You know, you can you can almost forget about them now. Um, yeah, I think I think it probably is uh, to an extent. But that's not to say that we can't do it. You know, teams teams have teams have, achieved, have overachieved in the past. We can we can we still can do it. It's, it's not too late for a late rally. Okay, um, let's look at Saturday's um, game then. So I've got your starting eleven from the Burton game. Um, I'm going to read it out. Um, can you tell me how similar you think it will be on Saturday? And then can you pick out three players um, for us to look out for? So um, last week it was Fielding, uh, Pisano, Wright, Baker, Kelly is the back four. Midfield was Patterson, Smith, Pack, Brownhill with Reed and Jeju up front. Obviously no Flint. Um, how, how similar do you think the team will be on Saturday? And can you pick out the three players that, if you if you beat us, are going to be the reason. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be the same team. Um, actually, saying that, Joe, uh, Joe Bryan will be back from a suspension, so he'll come in at left back um, for Liam Kelly. Um, but outside of that, I think it'll probably be identical because Flint's still banned. Um, Pisano is the first player, I guess, to look out for. Um, it's Pisano, our right back, so he's been injured uh, a lot of the season and when he came back in the squad we looked immediately better that was the game we beat Sheffield Wednesday 4-0 um, really like him uh, he's sort of this 30 year old Italian um, quite tall uh, fullback he's great He's we love him uh, so definitely keep an eye out for him um, I think Patterson's about to start coming back into form he's been playing a lot better in the last few games so he was the one who got two assists from you early on in the start of the season. So I think definitely take a look at him because he'll be good. Uh, and then Bobby Reed as well, who again is is really back into form now and he's our top goal scorer. I think he might be the joint top in the championship now at the moment. I think he might have caught up to um, Vidra, I think it was. Um, so yeah, definitely him. That 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 would be my three. Great. Look at for sure. And how do you see it playing out? I think we're going to win. I do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my neck on the line here and say I think we're gonna win because we've got a good record against you in the in Ashton Gate. We've won our last three games in Ashton Gate against you. We've obviously got a couple of away wins in there too. Um, I actually had, I, did, I was doing my own notes as well, looking at our last sort of um, our last meetings, and I had it here. It's uh, so we've won like of the last six appearances. We've won 67%, drew 17%, won 17%. So if we're looking at statistics, 
I'm uh, I'm putting us down to win it. And we had, I don't know if you know about it, we had a horrible, horrible, um, everyone turned on McCarthy on Tuesday night at home to Hull. Oh, really? Oh, God, it was it was. I'd nuts. like to hear more about that because I wanted to ask you about um, McCarthy, actually. Yeah, go, go ahead. Well, so obviously you've had him for like how many years now? Like five. Two, five years. You've had him for a, a lot more than I thought. Um, Ipswich are the club who have been in the championship for the longest out of any team, right? They've been in the championship since it was the championship mm-hmm. in 2002. And you've only been in the playoffs in the, twice in that time. Oh, once. since in 2002, three times. Uh, three but times, once right. in the last... We lost twice. Um, after we came down for the Premier League, we lost twice to West Ham in yeah. two years as the money dripped away and all the good players from the Premier League dripped away. Yeah. And then in 14-15, we lost to Norwich. In, um, <laughs> yeah, talk about that. God, yeah. Um, but we <laughs> that was the year when Murphy scored um, yeah. 27 goals. So, yeah, we've been in three times. Okay, cool. Um, but I wanted to ask about sort of, I guess, your ambitions and stuff because a lot of people see you know a lot of people see Ipswich as this club who kind of they're like hamsters in a wheel in the championship and there's nothing wrong with being an established championship club at all like everyone the championship is amazing football but it seems to me like most seasons that I've like watched you it tends to be sort of like a mid-table slash mid-to-top table finish for you every season with no real real going at the playoffs with no real run towards the championship like what I guess I'm framing that in asking about Mick McCarthy. Like, what what's what do you think his ambitions are? Like, what do you think your ambitions are as a club? Where do you see yourself as a club wanting to be, really? Um, well, obviously, we get mocked ceaselessly from the Norwich fans for the 16 years in the in the Championship, and sure. it's interesting to hear the the view from outside of it. You know, kind of just becoming a little bit of a blur. The only thing guaranteed yeah. in the Championship is Ipswich will be somewhere between eighth yeah. and. 15th um so i think one thing that skewed it a little bit was 2014-15 where we didn't put any money in and finished sixth and the owner um who's famously reclusive and never does any interviews or and is incredibly rich but um doesn't necessarily let the um management have any of the money they make for themselves yeah um, i think that skewed it a little bit and then we had a really bad season last season finished 16th and Murphy was sold and replaced with Leon best. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it didn't go well at all, but I, everyone from the outside thinks McCarthy's great. Cause he's kind of funny in interviews, and, yeah. you know, he swears and, um, <laughs> but there's, there's become a really, really big rift recently between the supporters. Well, not even recently for say 18 months or so. And he likes to have various digs. So, I think he's been a little bit unlucky in the respect. I have to be careful what I say because half of our listeners yeah. will disagree with me. Um, <laughs> he's been a little bit unlucky. He signed Garner and Waghorn and Hughes and Hughes has been out literally for the whole season. He played 10 games in the five games in the middle and got a new injury. Um, Dizelle, who was our really our best young player, he did his knee ligament in the first game has been out all season. So, there's been a few. There's been a few things that have worked against him, but um, he has. But it's five years, isn't it? It's not just. It's not just one season. Like he's been there for a, a long time now, and yeah. you've been there for a long time now. It's it's weird. I'm. I supposedly know what I'm talking about it, but I can't. <laughs> uh, no one can give you an answer. His contracts up at the end of the season, and it's all. Um, 
I'll sit down with Marcus and I'll decide where you know what's yeah, happening. Yeah, I, I remember hearing the interview. He's just yeah. sort of they offer him a job. He's going to take it. If they don't, he won't. Well, well not even that. If they offer him a job, I'll decide. You know, all of that, all of that kind of um, you know nonsense. But yeah, it, from the outside, most people like McCarthy, but most people think we're we're sort of trading water. But I, I would have thought if he hadn't have fallen out with everybody. And you had the same thing as last summer where you bring in another three players and you keep everybody. I'd have thought most people would have been would have been happy and we'd have, we'd have looked upwardly mobile, but it's all all a bit all a bit of a mess and um, yeah. it'll be nice to nice to be playing an away game. Anyway, um right, yeah. can we go to Twitter, Joe? So we've got a few uh questions in here. This is um Justin. Um how are the finances at Bristol City? Does it work like Ipswich, where the owner puts in money to balance the books. Um, answer that one first, actually, because there's a couple more. Um, yeah, no, the finances are good. Um, so Steve Lansdowne's our owner. Um, I think he's a billionaire in the UK. He's, uh, he get, he's, he's a really good owner, to be fair. He doesn't sound a lot like yours. He, he goes to the games, does the interviews. <laughs> um, but he's, he's put his heart and soul into that club. And he's invested a lot of money. But um, we've got a very clear um, wage structure at the club. This is why we're not... I guess this is kind of why we part of the reason we're not buying these Lewis Grabbins and these Mitrovic's is because mm. we, we buy players who are kind of within our means, if, if you like. Uh, I think Tomlin was on quite big wages, but we all got a little bit excited about Tomlin, but it's good. No, it, it, it is good. Um, there's nothing really to worry um, about, I don't think. Could your current squad survive if they were promoted? No, not a chance. <laughs> um, with so, some of the shambolic clubs coming out of the EPL, are there still opportunities to get promoted? Um, what does he mean by that? I'm not sure. <laughs> with some <laughs> of the shambolic clubs coming out of the EPL, I, I guess he means next season that you're going to get West Brom and you know yeah. Palace and well, he's, he's, well you know in the way sorry Joe in the way that yeah. Sunderland and Hull have just been absolutely awful haven't they so yeah yeah I know it's it's weird isn't it because Villa like two seasons ago well they dropped out like two seasons ago they had a pretty lukewarm first season of the championship but now they're amazing mm. you know and then there are teams like Newcastle last year who dropped down and just went straight back up like, no one even got close to Newcastle last year really apart from apart from maybe Brighton. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I think we it's really. I think the 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 goal for Bristol City would to become like one of those clubs who I, you're going to hate this, but I think a lot of Bristol City fans would like to become a club like Norwich, who kind of go into the Premiership every few years and and play a couple of seasons, maybe drop back down. Have you know, they're not exactly great at the moment, but that sort of I don't want to say yo-yo club, but there's a lot of money in that yo-yo. I'm telling you, there's a lot of money. Yeah, in that. and there's a lot more joy in. We always call it like the West Brom syndrome. In how boring it must be just for ten years yeah. running. You know, you're gonna every season. You might win the odd game against a good. Yeah. Team. You might beat Chelsea at home or something every once a season. But the rest of the games, you know, you're gonna pretty much lose most of them. You know, you're gonna beat the bottom six. Yeah, and, exactly. And, just survive. It's yeah. It's no interest. At, no at interest. least Norwich will argue they've had. 
promotions in that time and they've had yeah, exactly. years where they've been winners yeah it's not it's not the worst existence and they've got a really nice scoreboard as well that swivels around so <laughs> congratulations <laughs> to Norwich um this is uh Daryl uh Joe Cole Skews thinks the Bristol derby is a real derby as opposed to the Ipswich Norwich derby you've played once in the last 10 years and eight times in the last 20 years hardly even a rivalry does anyone care about the other side of your city or do you peacefully coexist the fact that it's once every, like, I think what was he said, once every, once the last eight years adds value to it. Oh, when okay. it comes around, it's, and it's such like a, it's such a rare occurrence. It's like, it's the game. You know, if it happens twice, maybe three times a season, if you're, if you're in the cup together, um, it's nowhere near as interesting, you know. But we beat them at Ashton Gate, I think it was in 2013 was the last meeting. And, and Joe Bryan scored, who's a product of our youth academy. So that sort of added value to it there as well. Um, no, no, of course it's, it's a proper it's a proper rivalry. Like, I think they hate us more than we hate them because to them they're kind of a little bit insignificant. They're the just underdog, like the team yeah. in the league below. They're not really doing that well. Um, I know I know some. We call them gasheads, the Bristol, the, the Rovers fans, and I know a few gasheads, and I know for a fact that they check the Bristol City score before <laughs> they check the Bristol Rovers score pretty much every time. Because as long as we're doing bad, they don't actually care how they're doing because they just sort of, they get that kind of like schadenfreude you right. get from seeing the other half of the city do bad. Um, but then there's an interesting story, actually. I don't know if you uh, you heard over the, so the January transfer window last season, um, they had a striker called Matty Taylor who was doing really well in the league, in league one that year. I think he was way up there with the top goal scorers. He was their best player by far. Um, but he had a £300,000 buyout clause and we were doing really bad at the year and a lot of the fans were kind of turning on the manager, turning on the board a little bit and uh, we ended up buying Matty Taylor from Bristol Rovers for their for the buyout clause and they couldn't do anything about it because, you know, it's a buyout clause. Like If he wanted to go, he, he wanted to go. And a lot of players, a lot of fans, sorry, seem to think that the reason we did that and we bought him Banter. was was yeah just to win to curry favor with the fans and to kind of like just because they were doing really well last season they they had a playoff um charge like at that time of the year so we thought if we can get rid of their best player we can stop them from coming into the into the same league as us which is Rangers another and Celtic have been doing that for decades they well exactly yeah sign off all the all the um all the best players from the weaker teams yeah they? and he ended up being he ended up being a half decent um half decent player for a lot of last season he hasn't been great this season but you know it was there is definitely a rivalry there to say that just because it's a rare occurrence there isn't as much of a rivalry is it's is just wrong really no great answer um can he recommend a decent pie at the king's brew house and i must plug quickly the um itfc southwest branch will be meeting at the king's brew house in bristol at 12 um tomorrow we're recording this on friday yeah. and myself and Dave and Statman and Richard, all the Blue Monday team will, will, will be there. I don't drink. I'm a bit of a hippie. So um, okay. what, what do you drink in Bristol? Cider. <laughs> that's, that's it. Come that's on. It. Like, how is this not known? Like half of our, <laughs> half of our chants have like, are about cider. Like we don't really sing about the, the club. We just sing about <laughs> Thatcher's Gold and, and like Blackthorn and stuff. I'm totally the wrong. I haven't drunk for four years. I'm totally the wrong person to ask. Cider. There you go. Um, There's another one from Daryl. This is to me. Um, 
Lee Johnson is a Suffolk-born one of our own. Are you prepared to welcome in as a successor to Mick McCarthy? Um, this is a comedy question, um, and I can switch it into a question to you because we spent a lot of last season mocking Lee Johnson for um, his kind of smug David Brent type um, yeah. candor in in interviews, um, and he's proven me right royally wrong this season, <laughs> which I get mocked for on Twitter an awful awful lot. Obviously. Um, you're upwardly mobile and uh, we're not. So he would never be Mick McCarthy's uh, uh, sort of successor. But um, is there anything in the, the, the David Brent, Brendan Rogers type of thing? Does it does it piss you off as a City fan? And can you see why other people mock him? It's interesting that you've made the comparison. I've never heard the comparison to, to David Brent. Um, when we're playing well and we're playing his expansive style of football and we're like, as you say, upwardly mobile, I love his interviews. I think he's great. And I think he comes across like really well. And his dad used to manage us as well. And Gary Johnson, and he was quite the same. He, they were always quite good with the media. But you, it's interesting that you say that because when we, when we start losing and we start playing bad and the excuses come out, you're right. There are sort of like little, there's little tangible, you know, comparisons that you can draw to those, those characters. Um, I think to be honest, I don't get more annoyed at him than than any other club, any other fan would, any other manager in the, in the football league. When you do bad, you you, all, you you get annoyed at the manager, don't you? You do. I think that the better of us can sometimes separate the frustration at losing from the frustration at the manager because you know the manager can only do so much, and a lot of the time it's not the manager's fault anyway. So I try to keep a level head on and try not to get too annoyed, but. Um, no, it's funny that other other people have noticed the uh, the David Brentish sort of thing. I've I've admitted defeat on on Lee Johnson. You can you cannot be on Boxing Day on two points per game in the Championship. And like I say, I was really impressed with with the team in September. So he's obviously got something about him. But he does seem to be a bit streaky, doesn't he? He does seem to have long runs yeah. of wins and then oh, yeah. long runs of defeats. Massive. So apparently it wasn't just um, Bristol City either. Apparently it was um, the club before the, the clubs beforehand with um, with Barnsley as well. So they had like the start of the season. He's like amazing. Middle of the season he's like terrible, and then they come strong at the end of the season. I'm really hoping that that pattern is going to repeat again this season because if we can put a run together now, we'll end up in the we'll end up in the playoffs. But I think the championship generally is is all ebbs and flows, isn't it? Really, you know, a lot of the, the there are very few teams who can be consistently all right for most of the season. Like a lot of the teams kind of come and go, especially the ones towards the top, like Villa and, and even Wolves now have started to drop off a little bit. Um, yeah, I I don't know if if I'm if I'm looking at the pattern, I think we're going to come good. Yeah, great. Um, and I mean, just hypothetically, I, I was at your game actually um, away at Derby because um, we oh, were yeah. playing. We were playing Bolton the next day, and I couldn't be. I live in London, and I couldn't be asked to drive all the way to Bolton in one go. And it was like, oh, yeah. you know, holiday in next to Derby's ground. We'll watch. We'll watch Bristol City Derby. Um, if if you did get in the playoffs, I mean, you look at the teams up there. There's obviously Fulham that kind of ping it about and play really nice football, but there's a couple of just. Um, pragmatic Villa and Derby are just full of big strong experienced two three hundred game game players yeah. would, you, would you prefer to come up against a, a Fulham who you've beaten away um, yeah. and even though they're quite a scary proposition or would you prefer to come up against a Derby or a Villa where 
you could probably you know you could probably unsettle and maybe out football them they've just got sheer star power haven't they what do you think we want teams who take the game to us no doubt about it like we the, early on in the season and even now to be fair with the Burton games we've struggled against teams who try and shut us down you know we've got a reputation now for playing big expansive football and teams have noticed and they've worked us out so they they try and shut us off they try and do what Warnock does where you know you park the bus a little bit and you get us on the counter I want a team who's going to take it to us the whole game because when we play open football we're amazing but when we're trying to break through defences and which as you said trying to get through these big players and all these 300 game players that's when we struggle for sure so, so I'd you'd actually think, prefer Fulham than yeah I think I would because we'd have a good game against Fulham we want we want to play football basically if you can if you can if you let us play football we'll always give you we'll always give you a good game and we'll always I, I favour us most times if you try and shut us off and you try and shut down our game we're terrible that's mm. really kind of that possibly bodes well if McCarthy goes for his three-five-two tomorrow, and we go for our complete <laughs> shit house eight-men behind the ball tactic, which <laughs> try and snick one from a Weghorn free kick. But there you go, um, Joe. Thank you so much. Um, you've given up loads of your time. Um, do you want to just give one more uh, plug for your podcast? If any, yeah. any of our listeners want to catch up with your view on um, on the game on Saturday, yeah, sure. And if you if you are at the game on Saturday, we'd like to talk to you as well because we usually. Um, after every game we go over to the away fans and we just pick a random person to kind of speak to to what they think of the game to try and get like their opinion on it but if you're at the game man we'd love to love to have you on the show and, and to give you, ask you a few questions if that's, if that's alright so what's the Twitter for people to um, so yeah it'll up? be uh, OSIB so the Twitter is at OSIB podcast so it's O-S-I-B podcast uh, and the Facebook's the same O-S-I-B podcast or if you just search one stream in Bristol on uh, on either of those it will it will, you'll find it and yeah great. like i said on itunes acast everything it's all there great stuff i'm going to give you the last word in a minute joe let me just do my plug so this is the blue monday podcast um assuming that you've listened this far you probably subscribe but please give us a thumb up on youtube um and a nice comment that would be lovely um like joe said acast itunes five star review bish bash bosh buy a t-shirt at blue monday hfc at benjamin bloom whatever you've heard it all before most people tune out by this point but they're not going to tune out because you're going to give us the last word joe and it's going to be insightful and and beautiful go (laughs) come on you put me on the spot uh, Everyone says that. I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm taking four words. Come on, you Reds. That's what I'm saying. Great stuff, Joe. Thanks so much for coming on. No worries, mate. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there, offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. 